This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Continuing on in this little series of revisiting old clips from awesome episodes, today I'm bringing back my dear friend and speaking coach, Brett Lavender. If you like the way that I sound on this podcast, you can thank Brett because I think I would sound very different if I had not worked with him for so many years. And I want to replay this clip for you because Brett just drops so many gems about how to adjust how you speak to be more powerful, to be more influential, to make your message land and have people perk up their ears and listen and see you as an authority. And I think the thing that a lot of people think is really important about public speaking or even communicating with a client, let's say, or anybody one-on-one is the content of what you're saying. And yes, the content is very important. But as Brett will tell you, the way that you communicate that content is even more important. It's the tone of your voice. It's the melody of your voice, the rhythm, the pacing, the power of your voice that is going to communicate just as much as the words you are saying. Now, Brett has a fun time telling the story about how we met because I was saying that I built badass brands back then. Uh, And when he first heard me say it, I said it in a really timid little voice because I still had a lot of stage fright. And also, believe it or not, this was 2013 and (laughs) saying badass on a stage as a business owner in a room full of business people was really not kosher. Um, So, you know, I had that going against me too. I was both stage fright and saying something that you kind of aren't supposed to say. Anyway, he he, uh, knocked that out of me. But the thing that I wanted to highlight before I play this clip and Brett touches on a little bit is what it is really like to train or to to get coaching on, consulting on, work on your presentation skills. Because how you speak on stage and how you speak when you're talking to anybody, that's like one of the most fundamental things about you, right? It's the thing you do all the time. You talk to people. And so you're already used to talking in a certain way. And it is deeply ingrained in who you are. It is one of the deepest habits that you have. So the idea that you would start training to change how you speak, it can be daunting. And you may not really be aware of that. If you've never done any work like this, then you probably aren't aware of what that process might look like. And we touched on it a little bit in the clip, but I wanted to expand on it a little bit further for you right now because it is one of the most powerful and important things that you can do. And I don't care if you're going to speak on stages or not, working on how you present And really how you sit in your own power and authority so that you can present with confidence is a game changer no matter what business you're in, no matter whether or not you're going to be a professional speaker or just always speak to people one-on-one. There is a clear, clear difference in how people react back to you when you are speaking 
from a position of power. When your voice carries power and conviction, when you have control over how you communicate your words and your thoughts, and when you're even thinking about it, most people are not thinking about how they speak. I certainly wasn't. I'm thinking about it right now. That's why I sound like this. Um, And it's fun. You know, it can turn it on more or less. But I would never have been in that position if I hadn't done a lot of this work. And also, it was a lot of repetition and training. So uh, I talk a little bit in the clip about how annoying it was, really, to work with Brett and to have to retrain how I would speak and how he was just constantly interrupting me and telling me to start again. And sometimes he would tell me to speak in a certain way or he would say something, you know, he would say a sentence. He would say, say it like this. And then I would say it like that. And he would say, no, you didn't say it like that. You, you know, I couldn't hear the melody because I wasn't necessarily in control of my vocal cords or uh, how the tone of my voice. I remember we spent a few sessions just working on bringing the tone of my voice down a little bit and taking deeper breaths. Because when you take deeper breaths and you slow down, it's a much more pleasing tone of voice. And I don't know if you, you may, you may have heard me say this at at some point a couple of years ago, way after I worked with Brett, I actually started taking singing lessons completely disconnected from anything else. I just wanted to do something that I hadn't ever done before. And sure enough, it's like really closely related to a lot of the work that I was doing with Brett. A lot of talk about the tone and the melody and the breath and even how I stood and sat in my voice and where the weight in my body fell. And I, when I was taking these singing lessons, I realized how naturally, I'm actually, this is not going to make sense because I'm on a podcast, but like I'm up here, you know, like I'm, I'm carrying myself up here. (laughs) I'm, I'm not weighted on the floor and to sing well, I learned it's very, it's much more powerful to really put your weight into your feet and to, and to get the power from your voice through the ground. That sounds so trippy, (laughs) like, you know, intangible. And I can't even really say that I can control it, but I know that when I hear that concept, I know that my body immediately like sits into the weight of the floor a little bit more. And you can hear it in my voice when I speak too. And I remember when I first, uh, Brett was there when I uh, recorded my 10X talk and I was practicing and, you know, I sounded fine and everyone said, you sound great. And then right before I did it, he reminded me to you know, bring the weight down and breathe and breathe from my diaphragm. And my voice sounded so different and so much more powerful. Just that one little reminder made such a difference. And so just think about that for a second. Think about how powerful it can be when you are aware of these these tools that you have at your disposal that most people walking around in the world are not thinking about. It's like you have a superpower. It's like you have an edge on everybody else. When you are aware of the fact that if you speak in a certain way or bring a certain tone to a conversation, if you hold yourself in a certain way, 
you're going to present more powerfully and people are going to listen to what you say and follow it more readily. Just imagine just that one little shift, what that could do for you in your business. When I talk about showing your business who's boss, that can mean a lot of things. In this context, it means being aware of the fact that there's a lot of stuff that you would never think of because it's not directly related to your business. But a lot of stuff like working on your presentation skills or your communication skills or how you speak that can really increase your value in the world and therefore increase your success in your business. And what's so cool about working on skills like speaking and communication is that it doesn't just translate to a more successful business. It can translate to more success in every aspect of your life. Just imagine if you felt like you were more powerfully in control when speaking to people in your family, when speaking to strangers, when speaking to your child. I use these skills on my toddler and they totally work. (laughs) They totally, totally work. When I'm not paying attention, you know, toddlers, right? Like sometimes they're annoying and whiny and, you know, saying things over and over again. You know, I I don't want to put my, no, I don't want to put my jacket on. I want to put my jacket on. And if I'm not paying attention, sometimes I can be very lazy and I'm like, oh, come on, please, please, please can you put your jacket on? Oh my God, we have to go. And then when I realize it, first of all, I realize, oh my God, I am really speaking from a position of a disempowered position right now, right? I'm not thinking about this at all. I'm exhausted and I'm just like begging this two-year-old to please do the thing that I'm asking. Um, And when I realize that, I snap out of it. I stand up straight. I take a deep breath and I say, it's time to go. Please put on your jacket right now. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes he just, boom, right into place. Like he will literally change his act. And even if he doesn't change it right away, the whole tone of the engagement shifts in that moment. And I shift because I realize, oh, wait a second. I am the adult here. (laughs) I can set the tone for what's going on right now. And all I have to do is think about it. And it completely changes. Now, I know I'm talking about a toddler. This is not a parenting show. But the application is actually very similar to speaking to a prospective client. So that's why I wanted to revisit this clip. I think it will be immensely helpful for you to hear again or to hear for the first time. So without further ado, here I am with Brett Lavender. At the end of the seminar, you came up to me because I had told I had said in front of people that I teach speakers and I teach communicators and blah, blah, blah. And you said you asked me something about did I have any any kind of feedback for you? And I said, well, you know, you claim to create badass brands, but your delivery was anything but badass. If anything, you were the non, you were not badass. And we decided to, we, it was right around the corner from Bryant Park. We went, I think it was like lunch break. Yep. Like, well, let's go to Bryant Park and have our lunch and talk about this. I think we walked right after the seminar. It was like, well, let's go sit in Bryant Park for a minute. 
So we're sitting in Bryant Park. It's a beautiful day. It's full of people. And I said, I need your help because I do not have my ducks in a row for what I do. And I can help you. And let's decide, let's agree to just barter each other's services. And that's what we decided to do. Well, all I remember that you said really stuck with me. Because I said, well, how can you help me? Like, what, what do you think you can do for me? And you said something like, here's what I know. If I stood up right now and I had a microphone, if I stood up in Bryant Bryant Park, full of people, I mean, there must have been a thousand people there. It's a crowded, beautiful day. If I stood up right now in, I don't know what you said, 60 seconds, 10 seconds, within the next 60 seconds, I could get every single person, I could get every single person in this park up on their feet and (laughs) clapping clapping with me in 60 seconds yeah that is powerful and yep. i can get you to do that and i oh that was so powerful that you said that because i love that I you said, reminded oh. me of that because i have to reuse that line that's great that's a great yeah. and it's true especially yeah. now jesus christ oh my god right now what a powerful line that would be right it just, it's a much better way of saying command the attention of a room. It, it's about that influence and that power. And so that obviously stuck with me. And I said, yes, I want that. I want to be able to do that. And at the time, I was already so over bartering <laughs> because I had bartered so many with so many people or I, not so many people. I had bartered with a few people and right. it never worked out in my favor. I mean, it right. just always ended up where... Steve and I were like, wow, we gave so much and we just did not get what we were promised. Yeah. Sometimes literally nothing. But this was different because we made an agreement. And this is I've only bartered like one or two times since then. And I've always done it this way. And it's always worked out great. And ours did, too. We said, well, we'll just always be paid up. So you and I will meet for four hours at a time and we'll spend two hours on working on your stuff and two hours working on our stuff on my stuff yep. and that's what we did and we did it for a really long time great. And it was it worked great. great yeah i mean you got me to where i am today well let's let's talk about that because you were totally resistant well, i couldn't have been that resistant i i walked up to you and asked you for help no i'm saying once we started working and i told you oh. that's not going to be easy this is not going to be fun this is going to be troublesome this is going to be opening your mind right and there were plenty of times where we got into arguments where like right you're repeating yourself i understand i get it but it didn't it, it didn't resonate and i mean you like i wish that what i could have done was record Every single session, I have a lot of them on audio, but I wish we could have done like a reality show, (laughs) literally with a camera, because watching your transition from point A to point Z is, is insane. You're, you're not even, you're not even remotely close to you. Well, I shouldn't say now, then once you got past what we needed to get you to big hurdle. Yeah. Right. You, you weren't even close to the same communicator that you are yeah oh no i i I agree it was very frustrating wait so let's just let's just share what this process looked like so i would you'd say okay you'd have me read a book you just take a book off the shelf and have me read it or you would say okay do you have like a speech can you give me the first couple lines of your speech and i would say what felt like two words and you'd say stop (laughs) (laughs) do it again do this (laughs) Do that, do that. And then I would say, uh, I barely said anything. Like, just do it again. Oh, 
before I even said it a word. Stop. Right, right. Look this way. Do this. Stop moving. <laughs> right. And you would do that for two hours. And by mm-hmm. the end, I wanted to bring your... I neck. know, but because most people don't realize that speaking is an art form, just like painting or dancing or being an athlete. There are so many skills that are involved in communicating effectively, whether you're doing it professionally or whether you're doing it just as a person to your your family or your friends or your kids or your siblings, understanding how this machine works that we are in control of is a really complex system. And it's the only thing that we control. And so I have come up with this discipline of understanding what makes other mammals. And it really is just mammals. It's based on instinct and understanding humanity and what makes them tick, what makes them respond. And when I would say things to you and I would say, look, it's, it's a very finite set of skills. I think one of the examples I gave you, and I use this all the time, is if I asked you to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb, mm-hmm. there's one melody Everybody knows the melody to Mary Had a Little Lamb. Now, can you go off the melody and do runs and and make it like your own? Yes. But at the end of the day, there's still a very specific melody to, to singing Mary Had a Little Lamb. And most people, if you apply that to speaking, have no idea of the melody of Mary Had a Little Lamb. They just don't get it. Why? Not because they're stupid, because they've never been taught that. Because this is not something that, unfortunately, people are taught. Mm. I don't know why, but it just isn't. And I would say to you, you're saying that melody, you're speaking that melody improperly. If you well, want give us an people. example. All right. So, so, so my primary example is let's eat grandpa. Right. Here's the way this works. When you say a certain thing, the first thing that comes up is what are you thinking in your brain? What's the concept that you want to deliver in your brain when you say something? And so then your brain says, these are the words I want to use to say that thing. And then it's, how do I say it? Okay, so for example, if I want to have lunch with my grandpa, I'm going to go, let's eat, grandpa. Right? Now, that means to any normal human that has an understanding of uh, language, they understand. Let's eat, Grandpa. Nobody on the planet that understands English would not understand. That means, come on, Grandpa, let's go eat. But what they don't realize is when I say that, there's a certain physiology attached to saying those words. Let's eat, Grandpa, right? There's, there's a raise in my eyebrows. There, there's a smile on my face. There's a change in my entire physiological delivery when I say, let's eat grandpa, and it's all connected to a thought. Then I think a different thought. I can say the same three words and I go, let's eat grandpa. Now, let's talk about how that shifts. Number one, I'm not talking to grandpa anymore, am I? I didn't, I didn't change anything other than the, the melody of those three words, but I'm no longer talking to grandpa. When I say, let's eat grandpa, I'm talking to grandpa. When I go, let's eat grandpa, I'm talking to everybody but grandpa. 
I'm also thinking a different thought because that doesn't mean let me go eat with my grandpa. That means let me eat my grandpa. But the thing that also shifts is everything about my physiological delivery of that of those three words. My eyes change, my body language changes, my face changes, and those are things that we actually have a very hard time controlling. I couldn't say let's eat grandpa the same way that I say let's eat grandpa physically. It just doesn't work. You can't do that. Mm. So your brain is controlling everything. But the only thing that you're controlling is the thought, the initial thought. So the first thought was, I want to go eat with my grandpa. And the second thought was, I want to eat my grandpa. So the only thing that I can use to control my facial expressions, my eye contact, my body language, and the delivery of that message is what? The initial thought. This is what FBI investigations are based on. This is what detectives use when they're investigating a murder, when they talk to people. There's no way of faking this. You have to control your thought. If you control your thought, then you control your physiology. Well, so hold on a second, because back up, because I what I love about this this example is that it's a very obvious example. There's two meanings to two different two different ways of saying the same exact sentence. Right. So so it's a great example to me, at least, of how the melody can completely change the meaning. Right. But when you're coaching me, when you're watching people giving a speech and commenting on the melody of their voice, it's not it's 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 about sentences that are more subtle. And you are coaching the change of the melody that might that could go a couple different ways and kind of mean the same thing. And the reason that you were telling me, look, this would be much more powerful if this the melody went like this is because you want it to land in a certain way. And that I didn't I don't know. I didn't experience that as you need to just think differently about what you're saying. You did talk a lot about how I needed to come into it with a certain kind of authority and thought pattern so that I could deliver it powerfully. But the details of that melody came much came down to you could do it a couple different ways. And this would be the most powerful way because of what you understand about human nature and responding to the melody. Right, right. Well, at the end of the day, the reason I understand it is because as humans, we think we're so superior, but we're really not superior. We respond instinctively to the same things that animals in the jungle respond to. The only difference is we have spoken language. And so it would only make sense that there's a certain way of communicating a language that's going to create a response in one way or another. And so, for example, you and I have debated about, well, we don't debate about it now, but when we, when we were training, it drove you crazy. What drove you the most crazy? The upturn. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because it's not it's not a joke. It's, well, it obviously drove it, me it, crazy. It, right. It drove you crazy. And you would say to me, Brett, I get it. You've said this to me a million times. Can we move on to the next thing? And I would say to you, what? No, because until you get this, we can't move. We can't go to point three until we get. OK, so so explain it, because I, I guess actually now that you're saying it like this, the upturn is a subcategory of the melody. 
Right. Well, right. Exactly. Right. It's, right. it's, 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 it's peripheral, but it's, it's, it's part of the same category. So okay. for example, when we listen to people's outgoing voicemail message on their phone, or I will, I will be in a seminar and I'll say, okay, I'd like somebody to stand up and say, and tell me, what is your name? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? Why are you here? And they would go, hi, I'm Debbie, and I'm a lawyer, and I work for such and such and such law firm, and I'm in corporate law, I'm here because I want to learn so much more about how to be a better speaker. If I may, it's also, hi, I'm David, I live in Milwaukee. Like it's right, not exactly. it's not just so, women. So, no, no, I wasn't I yeah, was yeah, yeah. not No, I know, but it's the valley girl thing all. makes it seem like it's a female thing, but it's actually just people being uncomfortable. I was embellishing, but I agree. I know, I know. I think, I I think know. it's a, a I think it comes down to a lack of of comfortability, but I also mm-hmm. think it's just the way most people have been conditioned to speak, which is why I'm so frustrated that this kind of stuff is not taught in elementary school and junior high school and high Mm -hmm. school and college. Why does nobody explain to society that there's a better way of communicating in terms of just specifically the melody, forgetting about eloquent speaking, forgetting about facial expressions, forgetting about using your eye contact properly and your hand gestures. There's so many effects that go into this. But even just this simplistic thing, the downturn is so effective. The downturn is so important. So when I, when I, the, the best example I give people is people's outgoing voicemail messages. You, you call a person and they go, hi, this is Pia. And I can't get to my phone right now, but if mm-hmm. you'll please leave your name and number at the sound of the tone, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. So what I, what I explain when I, when I teach my seminars is that every single phrase in that sentence except for the last one, was positioned as a question. Why? Because, now did you hear me say why? What did I ha- wh- where did I go when I said why? Why? Because why was a question. Mm-hmm. So when I say to you, what's your name? My name is Pia. Are you sure? Because that sounded like you were asking me if your name was Pia. The answer is my name is Pia. From the time we're children, and this is primordial from the time in historically when anybody wants to make a demand, a statement or a request, they say it on the downturn, meaning Pia, take the garbage out. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say as a child? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever. Pia, take the garbage out. Yeah. Pia, take the garbage out. Even if you don't say the next word, it still means the same thing. Now, right? When you're in front of a police officer or a school teacher or a principal or a judge or anyone in the position of authority, when they want you to respond to them unequivocally, when, they, when they're making a demand, a command, or a statement or a request, it's always said on the downturn. Yet for some reason, and I don't know if this is just our society because I don't speak foreign languages, so I don't know how it works in French or Spanish or whatever, but in English, most people, most people, and I know you've said this to me. I have a theory. Yeah. 
Well, you've told me in the past that I ruined people people for you <laughs> because it drives you crazy. Because now when you listen to people, I can't unlisten to it. It drives me nuts. And most people do not speak on the downturn, right? When a police officer wants you to do something, he says, put your hands on the hood now. Dot, 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 dot. Do this right now. And when you say, hey, sir, put your hands on the hood, it just doesn't have the same impact. And the reason I know is because I've taught literally thousands of people to do this and they come back to me every time and go, that's magic. Mm -hmm. That's magic. That's psychological magic. But it's not a trick and it's not manipulation. It's just understanding the way the human mind reacts to a certain melody. I hope you enjoyed that clip from episode 11 with Brett Lavender. Tune in next week for the final episode in this series where we are going to revisit a surprising clip about leadership. Uh, You don't want to miss that. In the meantime, if you know other entrepreneurs who could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. And of course, click subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wastervall. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 